Well, hey, hey, how are you? This is Dave Shrine, and you are listening to the 12th episode of the Church Marketing Podcast. I want to let you know that all of the show notes from this episode can be found at churchmarketingsucks.com slash Zero one two. So if you hear me talk about anything, if you hear me mention any websites, if you hear anything at all that you're like, huh, I'd like to see what he's talking about. You just go to churchmarketingsucks.com slash zero one two and you can get all of the show notes. In addition, you can leave us a comment and a review on iTunes. There will be a little iTunes icon there. You just click on that. It'll take you straight to iTunes. You can leave a comment and a review. We really appreciate it because that helps the Church Marketing Podcast get discovered by other church communicators as well as, and this would be the ideal, get discovered by church leadership, executive pastors, lead pastors, senior pastors, so we can introduce them into the world of church marketing and the awesomeness that it is, which we all already know about. So anyways, I got a great conversation lined up for you today. It's it's a conversation that I have been wanting to make happen for a while. And just recently, I really felt like I was at a place where I could, where I could make it happen. And this conversation is actually um, between myself and one of the pastors that I work for. You see, the reason why I wanted to pull in a pastor that I get to work with is because there's a reality that you and I, we understand this stuff. We get it. It makes sense to us. But pastors, they don't typically have a history in marketing or communication um, or, you know, software, things like that. It's, it's just not their history in the same way that the doctor's history typically, you know, doesn't involve raising horses or something like that. So, um, sometimes it can be really instructive to recognize that there is a gap in understanding one another's. There's a gap in even person to person communication and the values that you're trying to project and the values that they're trying to project. And so hopefully our conversation will be helpful in you know, how you interact with your senior leaders, you know, this this giant struggle exists um, when we're trying to rethink communication uh, and often we don't really know what to do. So I want you to listen to the conversation because in addition to, you know, actually hearing us interact, what you really want to do is you want to help senior leadership succeed. You want to, you know, look at whatever it is that they're going after and help them succeed in it. Uh, You need to be very strategic about the items that you choose to push back on. So if you see all sorts of things that need to be done, that need to be fixed, be strategic about the ones that you choose to actually take to their attention and say, Hey, let's, let's address this. A phrase that I've heard senior pastors also say is a lot of times they don't feel um, that there's an itch that communications necessarily scratches. So when you're trying to, you know, perpetuate, grow, develop communication in your church, you want to find the itch that the pastor and that the, the leadership has, and you want to scratch that. Don't, don't pick off things that don't necessarily scratch their itch, pick off the things that they're going to notice. And that's going to bring them some sort of relief. And then you always want to earn trust through quick wins. And in, in my conversation, it's a uh, uh, pastor, Brian McCoy uh, out here in Ahwatukee, Phoenix, Arizona. I'll let him talk a little bit more about his church, but in our conversation, I think you'll hear us kind of hit on all of these elements. It's a long conversation because we had a lot of good stuff to talk about. So I'm going to go ahead, just turn it over. I'll catch you guys on the flip side, have a couple things that I'm excited to share with you. But uh, here's my conversation with Pastor Brian McCoy. All right, guys, very excited because today uh, this is the first conversation where I am actually pulling in 
uh, a pastor who I get to work with pretty regularly. Um, you know, as many of you know, I'm no longer working full time uh, for just one church, but I have several churches who I partner with and, and who I get to do lots of various um, tasks and communication work for. And Foothills Baptist in Phoenix, Arizona is just one of those churches. So um, I brought on my direct report today, the uh, the pastor who I get to report to. And so um, Brian McCoy is coming from us. He's the associate pastor for discipleship and outreach at Foothills Baptist. And uh, Brian, thanks so much for taking time, especially on a Friday. I know that that's, your, that's, that's, that's the pastor's day off. So I appreciate you making time on a Friday to talk with us. Hey man, it's good to be with you, and uh, it's it's not a problem. I love to talk to Dave Shrine whenever I get a chance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good, very good. I appreciate that. So, um, I have been working with Foothills. Um, I think my official start date uh, was October first, and right. so it's been what is it uh, like four months now that we've yep. been working together? Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been four months, and uh, and quite honestly, it's been it's been a, a a big challenge for me in that I've never done this with a church before, where I have, you know, kind of come in as you know not somebody on staff, but also had kind of the freedom to. Um, you know, work together with you and shape a communication strategy. And, um, and so in a second here, I'm going to ask you to kind of describe Foothills a little bit, but, um, essentially I've been there since October. Um, we've been kind of doing some, some things and reorganizing the way the website's working, reorganizing the way that we're, you know, collecting communication information. And, uh, Foothills right now, they're a church between 450 and 500 on a Sunday. They have two services. Brian, would you just tell us a little bit more about the church? Yeah, sure. Foothills is uh, 25 years old, and uh, we had a senior pastor for 23 years, and he recently retired back in May, and so we're in the middle of a senior pastor search, and uh, we actually thought we were fairly close uh, as of about a week ago, and that has, uh, that has come and gone. So we're kind of rebooting that, that search process and starting over, so that's a, that's a little tough, but uh, uh, a generational church. Foothills is a generational church, so we've got lots of uh, young families, lots of babies and little ones in our nursery and preschool areas, but we also have a healthy number of senior adults and folks that come in, people all the way in between. I'm I'm 52, getting ready to be 53 here in a few months, and uh, that's our probably our, the core of our congregation, our people from 40 to about my age. That's, that's really the meat of who we are, but uh, Foothills is... Uh, it's a it's a strong church, it's a Southern Baptist church, uh, so it's kind of unique in our setting. Uh, Ahwatukee, uh, Foothills area of Phoenix is a upper middle, upper upper class kind of community. Uh, lots of uh, high income earners, lots of professionals in our congregation, engineers, uh, MDs, all, all of that kind of thing. Um, and at the same time, our, our churches uh, were not. Uh, we're not kind of the the typical uh, quote unquote contemporary church. We don't have a band uh, or a worship team on Sunday mornings. Our our uh, worship facility is not completely dark and kind of blacked out with uh, you know high powered lighting and all of that on the stage. Any we, haze? We no haze. We don't <laughs> pump any smoke in the room. <laughs> yeah, we're not a suit and a tie church, but we look uh, sort of traditional, I suppose. If you were to walk in on a Sunday morning, because we. Uh, We've got a choir and an orchestra up front, uh, but we do have kind of what we call frontliners on a worship team. There's about five people that are out front with our worship leader. Uh, so it kind of sounds one way, but it's very high energy when you get in there. Uh, 
there's no messing around. So even though there's about 65, 70 people in a choir and about 30, 35 folks in an orchestra with strings and brass and everything in between, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. And we're unique in that, in that sense, I suppose, yeah. from that perspective. We're unique in our, uh, in our preaching and teaching style on Sunday mornings. We tend to be a book-by-book book kind of church uh, rather than kind of topical series, you know. Uh, we, we kind of preach our way through uh, passages in the Bible. So right now, actually, we're going through Colossians. So we, we, we kind of, that's just kind of our MO, and uh, it's who we are. And uh, so I guess that's a little bit about Foothills. I've been here for five years, just just about ready to turn over a fifth, finish a fifth year here. So. Very cool. Yeah, that that unique piece. Um, you know, you and I were having a conversation a couple of weeks ago, and you know, we were we were kind of talking about yeah, what are the things that make uh, Foothills unique? And I think you know, in this in this last five years or so, there's such a there's such a temptation to look at churches down the street. I mean, I, I know the Ahwatukee area very well. And I mean, even my former church is literally just down the street um, from Foothills. And, and there's another church in between right. uh, uh, Foothills and Mountain Park. And so, um, but yeah, as we were talking with that temptation to look at what other churches are doing and be like, okay, well, how do we, how do we be more like them? You know, you, you really were adamant and I, I really appreciated it a lot. Um, but just adamant, like, no, this, these are the things that, that make us unique. And we embrace these things. We don't try to be someone who we're not this, this is who we are. And, uh, and, and, and we embrace that. And y'all do, um, you know, tell us a little bit just very quickly about the unique thing that Foothills does at Christmas time that no other, you know, church really in the area, I mean, probably 30 <laughs> miles um, does anything close to it. Yeah. You, you could probably extend the radius out there a little bit. Yeah. further. Yeah. <laughs> in Phoenix, you know, I don't know. It would be really big. Uh, you'd have to keep pushing the little minus button on your Google maps before you found one. <laughs> Once you get to Texas or something, maybe, I don't know. Uh, yeah, we do a living Christmas tree. And uh, I don't know how many people that might be listening, with, that's even going to resonate, but people are going to be chasing Google right now or chasing YouTube <laughs> right now looking for leaving, living Christmas trees. But we do that. So it's essentially a 30-foot structure that goes right in the center of our worship center, and we put about 80, 85 adults in the tree. So imagine just like choir risers, right? But they're covered uh, with all of these evergreen boughs and all of these lights and the the lighting of the software is very sophisticated. Uh, there are thousands and thousands of lights on that thing, and they just they dance and you know it. It's kind of an incredible show, I guess, when you when you see that. But we fill that tree with uh, with the choir. The orchestra kind of comes off of the stage and down into the front area, kind of the main part of the uh, the the, uh, the floor of the auditorium there. And uh, yeah, that's that's what happens. And so sometimes the Living Christmas Tree's got drama going on, you know, not mm-hmm. just the music, but there's usually some kind of a drama or something happening. Mm-hmm. And then other time, other years, it's it's a uh, more of a just kind of a straight up kind of Christmas program that churches would, would have, you know, where there's yeah. a narration and we're just kind of resetting the the Christmas story, the traditional Christmas story. And then our pastor, or in in our case this year, our interim pastor uh, comes out and kind of wraps it all up, you know, and gives the gospel. And so, yeah, so it's it's a very unique thing, but we do it three times, typically a couple of weeks out from Christmas, and we fill up our, our worship center every time we do it. So we, we run about 1,500 or 2,000 people through that building on that weekend. It's yeah, pretty amazing. It truly is a community event. I mean, yeah, it really is. People come from all over. Yeah. 
they they put it on their calendar. They they look for those dates. They look for the banner that we put out on the road, and oh, yeah. they're they're checking it out. They're looking in the Foothills newspaper, and and that that just goes on their calendar as one of the things that they do during right. Christmas. And I mean, Awatuki is a unique uh, setting, anyways. They do several things that are very similar to that. And it is. There's uh, a whole uh, festival of lights in our community yeah. that, that goes on. They decorate the community really beautifully with lights they and that kind of, all the cactus and that kind of thing. But our it's been interesting because living Christmas tree, our people totally buy into it you mm-hmm. know so there might be 85 people in the tree singing there might be 35 or 40 people in an orchestra playing mm-hmm. but it, you know it probably takes 150 more than that probably probably close to 200 people to pull it off yeah without a doubt so our churches you know we're deeply into this thing and our people buy it i mean they they start extending invitations to folks to their neighbors to their friends to coworkers. so countless numbers of people come through there every year for the first time yeah. You know, so we have we do have a lot of repeaters. So it is kind of ingrained in our community, but we also have our people just really use it as an opportunity to reach out to their to their kind of their network of people that they know and yeah. invite them to come. So yeah, it's it's a pretty unique kind of thing. Absolutely. So, you know, talking about talking about the people of the church, I mean, obviously what we're here to talk about today is communication. And the reason why I wanted to the reason why I wanted to talk with you, Brian, is because, you know, we kind of we kind of kicked off our our push here to get a little bit more streamlined in the way Foothills is doing their communication, you know, try to get clearer with who we are, you know, what we're going after, you know, what kind of transformation people can, you know, people can expect when they kind of, you know, step into some of the opportunities. I mean, Foothills has a lot of different programs going on. There's a lot of different things to communicate. Um, so would you just kind of describe a little bit of um, a little bit of the pain points that Foothills was feeling. Um, you know, you, you had done some work with communications and, uh, the contractor that you had used took a job at a, at a, took a full-time job at another church. And so what were some of the pain points that said, you know what, we really do need to bring someone like Dave in to, um, to, to kind of help us continue furthering our, what we're doing here, uh, in terms of marketing and communication. What were some of those pain points, some of the pressure points that you were experiencing? Right. <laughs> we, uh, I think, and, and maybe we're not unique in this in this uh, in this way, but you know, for a church of four hundred and fifty to five hundred people, you know, we we never really had we never really had anyone pushing us, and we certainly weren't doing it. Every, if you could imagine all of the programs that happened in the life of our church, were if you would put them on an org chart, it was like a flat line. Mm. Nothing, nothing really had priority. Nothing really had nothing weighted more than anything else. And there were cer- certain things and certain seasons, like that living Christmas tree. You know, the living Christmas tree it owns December and yeah. the back half of November. It owns it. And so, if we're if we're announcing it from the pulpit or in a video uh, announcement uh, kind of segment, or if it's in a worship bulletin or flyer, or you know, it owns that kind of thing. But for the most part. If it was happening on our calendar somewhere, and and particularly one of the f- five full time ministry staff were touching that event or whatever, we were we were pushing that through every possible communicative cha- uh, channel that we mm-hmm. could find. So it hit email, it hit a video announcements, it would hit maybe a pulpit announcement if we were going to do that with it. Uh, it would hit a worship bulletin. It would you know it would. It just, we just it would there would be posters there would be banners it we just shoved everything down that same everything had the same 
communication plan. It didn't matter what it was. And we, I think we just operated probably like a lot of churches that if we just get the word out enough in enough ways, people will see it and catch it and do it, you know? So there was, we've learned a lot and we're still, and we're learning a lot because I think there's a, there's, there's a culture, right? That comes with that. And so when you do cultural change, that's very difficult. And I think that if I were to say, well, what was the pain point? That sounds kind of euphemistic. It's hard to get your handle on. Well, what do you mean there was a, the culture change was a pain point? Well, that's just what it was. Because now we're trying to say, look, if we're, if we're going to have an event that's like our, uh, we've got this thing coming up right with our, our uh, preschool and children's ministry, the father-daughter tea. Mm-hmm. And uh, so who is that for? Why do we do that? You know, you, you've, you've taught us this phrase, you know, what's the value of that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're repeating that. I'm repeating that. I've become like this little automaton. I'm like, what is the value? You know, so, so we're, we're, we're talking about those kinds of things when we didn't used to do that. And how do we communicate that event and to whom? And does that really need a, a video announcement on Sunday morning? Does that, maybe there's a better way to reach the people that we want to be part of that and bring them in. And so, I, I think that's been the most difficult thing because you know we all everybody wants their stuff out front as yeah. often as possible. So that's a that's a pain point right there. There's a pain point in just working with a, a communications director. Uh, not that that person is going to tell you no all the time, but sometimes they have to tell you no. It's just it's it's the linkage of that person, that personality, and their process of working with staff members and trying to help us narrow the. Uh, to bring all the communication kind of through a funnel and to kind of correctly channel uh, communication uh, of of an event or of a ministry, whatever it happens to be, or of a process that you have in the church. And where do these things go? And to whom should they go? And how do you keep track of it on the back end? And Mm -hmm. so those, we've never done those kinds of things before. It just, we just threw it out on a calendar and then we just started generating publicity. And I think that if, if we're learning anything, we're really trying to learn that, you know, it doesn't, we're, we're promoting things, but we're not really communicating a whole lot. Hmm. Yeah. I know when we were talking, when, you know, we were, we were discussing some issues with the church calendar and just, you know, what is the church calendar for? Who is it for? And I think that was a real breakthrough for both of us in terms of, you know, me communicating with you and trying to, you know, trying to articulate myself in a way that, you know, somebody who isn't me, who doesn't think like me would be able to, you know, see the things that I see. And I think that was a real breakthrough for us in that we were looking at this calendar and we just kind of said, yeah, you can, you can, um, you know, just, just because you put it on a calendar doesn't mean that you're communicating anything. And we would look and there's just no information to certain events. And it's just like, well, who is, who is this helping? Who is this really bringing value to? And I think that was a, a real coming together point for both of us. You know, you, you mentioned, um, the idea of saying no. And, and, um, you know, that's, that's one of the things that a, a communication director like me that, that, you know, you just, we just get so tired of, feeling like we have to say no all the time. And so one thing that I really try to try to teach and try to encourage other communication directors to do is to not just say yo, but not just say no, but to wrap the no in a bigger yes. And so when we were talking last week, you know, you said to me, you said, when you say no, 
you know, I even look up at you, Dave, and I'm like, well, why are you saying no to that? And, you know, I kind of made the comment that no's, no is a pretty powerful word in that if you say yes, there's no further conversation. You just kind of do it. But when you say no, it opens up the dialogue to be, well, like, well, well why is that a no? Like, help me understand why that's a no and, and how do we make it a yes? And so, um, I mean, do you, do you have anything to, that you kind of want to add to that on what our conversations have looked like when I push back on something that, you know, maybe you as a pastor have not been pushed back on before by, you know, somebody who's not at a pastor level and how we've kind of worked through that. And maybe some things that I've done that have made that conversation easier, or maybe things that, that you, that you still wish that I would kind of lean into, because we want to be helpful here in helping communication directors and people who think in a marketing manner, connect with somebody who's, who's thinking in a very pastoral, very um, leadership manner. So do you have anything that you'd like to you know, kind of add to that? <clears throat> yeah, I think um, I, I, I remember one instance, right? Let's talk about, I just put feet on the ground here with uh, uh, an event that happened in the fall. And it was, uh, it was taking place, I, I want to say it was happening near, near the end of November. And we had re- kind of re- uh, redone our preschool ministry hallway. You remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we'd, we'd redone that, and our preschool minister had just invested lots of time and effort and gave that whole area a really good facelift, and boy, did it need it. It really needed it. And she's she very, did a fantastic job, too. Yeah, it looks very, awesome. Her husband is, and it does. It looks really awesome. So she did all of that. And one of the things that she wanted to do, right, was to produce this card, an info card, so, uh, so that as people came through that area, and what we were, you know, on that Sunday morning, uh, for a couple of weeks, we teased it out, right? We teased it out through the worship bulletin that you were helping us produce, and and hey, you know these things are happening. And we had some pictures that we put in there. Look, you know, kind of showed some progress, but not everything. And we kept telling people, hey, on this Sunday between our worship services, we usually have a, I call it muffin time, yeah. <laughs> muffin time. And it happens in our fellowship hall, right? And so people stand around, they drink coffee and juice and water, whatever, and they eat these big muffins. They they quarter them up. So that's typically what happens. So on that Sunday, we moved it outside, which in Arizona, you can do just about any day of the week. And so we were able to move that outside and we directed everyone to that area, to that hallway and said, hey, go check out uh, what's happening down there. We've given it a big facelift and kind of see what God's doing in, the, in that area in the life of our church. And you know, a lot of our people funneled down through there. And one, one of the things that our preschool minister wanted to do was have some cards there so that people would take those cards and invite. Her idea was, I want them to invite their <coughs> families who have preschoolers or children to come to Foothills and check out our ministries for children and preschoolers. And, uh, and so the card that she had envisioned was, you know, something like the logo on one side and on the back side was going to be a list of all of these different ministries that we have for preschoolers and, and children. And we have a lot of those things. And it was interesting to have you kind of enter into that conversation with her and kind of push back and say, well, I don't, I don't think you ever really use the word no. I don't think you deliver that word. But it was like, well, let's think about that. What's the value of the card? What are we trying to do with this card? Who are we trying to communicate mm-hmm. to? And you know, what, what do we want in the end? Mm-hmm. And then you try to connect it to the larger reality. That is, we were already hard into that living Christmas tree mm-hmm. uh, effort. And that, you know, and... So we went through this process where you kind of helped kind of gently pushing back and thinking, trying to raise the level of uh, a vision for us to say, you know what, this is an awesome thing that's going on in the preschool area, and it's part of a larger deal. So if we're trying to effort in inviting our 
our effort, our people inviting others to the living Christmas tree, why don't we put that on this card that we mm-hmm. hand out? Why don't we elevate that? That's the thing. That's what we're trying to drive people to. So we, we kind of came to that, and then we changed that, I think, uh, kind of last minute, because the children's in preschool area, were, they were also doing this big family Christmas party. Yeah. It was going to happen after the living Christmas tree. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so that was that was a big deal, and I think that's what we actually ended up settling on. We said, you know, let's let's ask them to come to this because this is a family event, and it's outreach-oriented. That is, we know that we have a lot of families who come to that who are from outside of the church. It's a community Christmas party that we do, and and we have a lot of people who show up at one of our children's preschool ministries called Awana. A lot of them come up, uh, come show up to that every week, and they're unchurched families. They're people that we want to reach on a regular basis, mm-hmm. and this is the kind of thing that they would come to. And so through that process of you just kind of going through and discovering, hey, what's, this is the larger vision of the church, which was great. And then as you talk to her some more, she and the children's minister, you guys kind of were able to settle on, hey, this is what you should be doing. Don't put a list of all these things. Yeah. Focus on this one thing. Drive people to that event. And and so that was good, I think. But it took I think it took some conversations, you know, three or four maybe more conversations back and forth to come to that place where we where we said we we're going to do that. But I think, you know, as ministry people, and again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying at the beginning, you know, the churches in our size, sometimes we as ministers and pastors, we just think we just got to get the word out about all these things. And so, you know, we went from a list of all these ministries that to us sound, oh, that's cool, you know, but it doesn't really communicate anything to a person outside of our church. Yeah. They, don't, they don't know what a wanna is. What in the heck is a wanna? <laughs> yeah. What the heck is that thing anyway? So they don't know what that is. So better to, they know what a Christmas party is for their family. You know, yeah. they know what, hey, we're gonna play some games, we're gonna have some you know, some cookie decorating going on and all that. That sounds like fun, you know. That's gonna be a party, you know. Yeah. There's gonna be music, but yeah, let's go let's take the kids to that, honey. You know, we got ninety minutes, we got two hours on a Wednesday night. Let's go to that. The kids will have a great time. Yeah. So so that that helped and uh just kind of pushing us through that. And that, like I said, I don't know if you ever told anybody no, but you you stretched the thinking of those two leaders to say, "What what is the value? What really are we going for, longer term?" Yeah, you know, and and getting the value of, "Hey, we what well, what we want, you know, as ministers, we want people to get in this building." Okay, well, here's an event that you're doing, you know, that's gonna that that's gonna get them in the building, and when they're here, you can give them more information about the next thing, and yeah. that's how you. So it was really more of a it's really more of a trickle effect, you know, than it was just blasting. Lots of information that mo- most people won't make a connection to personally. I really like that. I mean, the, the, I've never thought of it that way, um, but I think that's the best way I've ever heard it worded. The the trickle effect, like as long as I can get them into the bin- building at this event, right? Then I can tell them about right. this next one, and it eventually trickles to where you know, hopefully, hopefully, some of the message becomes part of their weekly thinking, or some of the routine becomes part of their weekly schedule to to where the Holy Spirit can have multiple touch points of truth and gospel and scripture being spoken into that person's life rather than um you know rather than trying to get them to put ten events on their calendar all at once and I mean you know I've said it a lot if you give people ten choices, they'll choose none if you give them one choice, they have a much better much better likelihood of choosing that one thing than making a choice out of 10. So, right. um, so and even that trickle, that trickle effect, you know, when you, when you get those people into the building, they, they, uh, 
you may want to communicate, so to speak, or to publicize or whatever, to get the word out about four different kinds of things that you're doing in the life of your church. But that card is really not going to, it's not going to communicate anything. Mm. But if they come for that event, like you said, are, they, then they get around everyone else. They're having yeah. a great time and they're around the people and people share their stories. That's yep. what people connect to. Yep, absolutely. And they start talking about what a great time my kid has in this thing called Awana. Ever heard of that? No, you know, but this is what they do and man, they just love it. And we love, they come back, they're so happy, you know, and all of that. That's where the connections happen, like you said. And, that, that really helped. Yeah, absolutely. So let's uh, let's 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 go on a little bit um, further into something. What I really would like to do now is, um, you know, we we've been interfacing back and forth and you know trying to make changes. And I know there's still a lot of things that that I bring up that I talk about that um, that don't necessarily make sense or that that we have to kind of work through because. Um, you know, as easy as it would be to just, you know, take my word for it, you have a, you have a congregation that you're thinking of and you have a staff that you're thinking of and you have a greater picture than what I'm thinking of. I'm looking at things through the lens of how do we be more effective at communication? Yet you're looking at things through the lens of I've been here five years and I want to care for these people and I want to take them on a journey. I don't want to, I don't want to throw them in the back of a cab and just, you know, you know, peel out. Like we want to take them on a, uh, on an actual journey here. And so, and so, you know, we're coming at it from two different angles. So, um, what have been some of the words or some of the, the things that I, I may have said, or some of the exchanges that we may have had? I mean, you obviously just shared, you know, one larger scale one, but are there any other things that you would say that, you know, you, you keep saying this, Dave, and, you know, I'm, I think I'm finally starting to understand it. Or, um, you know, when we did, when, when you did this or when you worded it this way, it, it kind of made sense to me. Are there any things like that that you could kind of say this language works? Wow. And if there isn't, that's fine. I mean, I know that's a pretty big question, but I just want to open it up. Um, and cause we, you know, we may be able to get to it from a different direction, but at least I, I can, you know, hit it up, you know, straight right. up right off the bat. Right. Yeah. You're testing me in my memory and just, about, <laughs> just about, you know, just like concrete conversations. I was, I, you know, the, I, I don't want to ring you, but I know that's not the purpose of the podcast, Yeah, but Honestly, uh, you're a bit. Let me say it this way: yeah. this incredibly general, but maybe this will be helpful to yeah. a communication director because we'd never worked with someone, uh, you know, until the person just prior to you, mm-hmm. and uh, that person was very capable and all. But there's a there's a little difference. There's well, there's a big difference in personality and that kind of thing, and and that's going to be true for for all of us, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all built a little differently. But I think what has really helped us is your willingness to enter into a dialogue mm-hmm. and to not not just kind of turn loose of us, you know, and just mm-hmm. and just kind of say just kind of default to the no, but to enter in the dialogue and and work with us. And I'm sure that it's been strenuous for you at times, <laughs> but to work through a process of conversation with mm-hmm. us, to not give up on the ideas, on the big ideas, to say, yeah. what really is the value of this? What really are you going after? Uh, you know, what really do you want to see accomplished here? What in the end is the, what's the desired future that you have, you know? And all of these are kind of vision words, right? And you would think that as pastors and ministers, we would have a vision, you know, that's really clear mm-hmm. about an event or about a, a process. Um, and I think that a lot of times we do, but we need to sharpen it a, a bit. Mm-hmm. And that's how you've, you've, you've helped us to do that by continuing to press us through the, some of those kinds of things. So, 
it's been really great. So uh, maybe a, for instance was you know we spent an hour and a half or so on a Thursday talking about our signups for our small groups called growth groups. You yeah. know, and we got on the white you you know you got on that whiteboard and you started drawing it out and you just started you just started sucking information out of me. You know, I mean, I, I was telling you about you, you just asked me, well, how are your growth groups set up and how do people get into growth groups and is that working for you and how would you like to see that work better and you know I'm just kind of regurgitating all that you're you're taking that information and the next thing i know you know we've said hey this is what we're going to do you know we're going to we're going to re up that's a military term right we're going <laughs> to that sounds great it's growth groups it's like joining the marine corps you know but uh, we're going to re up all the people who are in groups right now we're going to set the vision for them for what's happening come the winter term which is in january and we're going to ask them, hey, get on board with us now. We're going to do a leadership meeting ahead of time. We're going to, you know, kind of baptize all our leaders with that info and get them on board, you know, share that vision with them, make them part of it, and then get that down, trickle it down next step into our groups. Mm-hmm. Let them introduce that to them. And and on that night, say, hey, here's a card. We want you to sign up. Will you sign up and be part of Group Life? And maybe you're thinking, you know what? I know come January this group isn't going to work for me. This night of the week isn't going to work for me. It's not about that. Will you commit to continuing to live in community with other believers, and and you may you may want to choose a different group, but are you gonna are you willing to commit? And say yeah. yes, I'm still in. And so it was even a general you know call to commitment that way, not just even to that particular group, but to winning. And we did that, and we must have, we must have retained about ninety five percent of our our people just doing that kind of thing. And then we could focus come the beginning of January on just new people working, new people into our group life and into our group session, uh, group, group process over those first three Sundays before we launched our, our groups. And so it was good to just say, you know, for that hour and a half that you spent just kind of working through that process with me and just continue to ask me questions from one angle or another to get at that information so that we could work, so we could kind of discover a process that would be effective in getting people into groups. And so, yeah, yeah. I think it turned I think out to be helpful. You know, yeah. you, the way you just continue to come at us and you don't just, you know, and I'm sure that there's been plenty of times when you could grow frustrated. So I, I would encourage communication director, people, managers, whoever they are, whatever they're doing, you know, if you're finding uh, either resistance or just, you know, maybe we're just knuckleheads and don't get it, you know, <laughs> don't give up. Yeah. Um, and and sooner or later the light will come on. And what may be resisted initially is just it's a it's a culture change like we talked about at the beginning, and it takes some time. Uh, and if it takes time for your senior leaders, the people that are ministry staff, to get it, then you know it's going to take some time as it trickles down to support staff and then out to the rest of the congregation. So uh, that's what I've appreciated about the fact that you just come at us with you continue to come at us with questions, just probing and continuing to get us to think about it and verbalize that for you so that you can get us to where we really need to be. Not where you want us to be necessarily, but where as a church we need to be. Yeah. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. That that was a really great um that was a really great, you know, case study because yeah, we did it did take an hour and a half and and you know, I don't know if many pastors take an hour and a half just focused on what's going to be our enlistment strategy. A lot of times it'll be, you know, a little bit of time just kind of saying what Sundays we're going to talk about it. But the thing that I really liked about that, um, and of course I didn't hear every announcement that you gave, but you know, it, the, the baseline was 
you didn't when January came and we said we're going to focus on new people, people who have you know never been in a group or people who were in a group a long time ago and haven't right. you know been in since then, we never had to say. And if you were in a group last semester, you know we want you to re up too. Our our communication wasn't fragmented; it was specific to who we wanted. And I think we had a goal of forty forty people. Did we reach that goal in the end? I can't remember. Yeah, our goal our goal actually was smaller than that. Oh. It, was, it was it was thirty people. We were looking at maybe thirty to forty people. We wanted to start three new groups and and hit you know thirty new people. And uh, we did actually get thirty new people, and we started three new groups. That's awesome. So it's really awesome. And we you know I remember even the first uh, first couple of weeks as we did signups, and we did the signups. We asked them to come to us in the foyer. And uh, grab a little information piece, and we had people standing out there. There were like four of us out there, just gathering information and talking to people and showing them the schedule of the groups and all. And uh, every week before or after each one of those two services in the morning, I spoke with people who were brand new to Foothills, people who had just started coming the first of the year. That mm-hmm. we started it on the fourth of January, that first Sunday morning, mm-hmm. the eleventh and the eighteenth. And so I spoke with people who were brand new visitors to our church. And I also spoke to people who were – most folks would look around Foothills who had been there. And like I said, we've been here for 25 years. We're the size of the church we are. And we're a bit stuck right now growth-wise. And so a lot of our folks know each other. They've been, a lot of people have been here for you know, 15 to 20 years in the life of the church. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of those people who were part of growth groups when growth groups began at Foothills mm, wow. 20 years ago. Wow. And it's been 15 years since they were in a group and huh. – we had, I don't know, maybe, Dave, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, a fourth of the people who signed up for groups are people who are in that category. And to me, that's the hardest bunch of people to move. Yeah, yeah. That's the most difficult group of people to move and, and to get moving in that direction. So, yeah, it was great. It was good to see that. I love it. Yeah. Um, you know, we're 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 going to run a little bit long here and I'm okay with that cuz this is really good stuff. I just I love hearing you talk because it's so helpful for me. It's it's going to be helpful for all of our listeners because I think there is a chasm a lot of times between the language that, you know, guys like me use and and the language that um, you know, pastors like like you um, you know, used to describe similar things. Um, when I just want to ask a, another clarifying question about when we were in that room with that whiteboard. Sure. Um, so just real quick, yes or no. I mean, have you, had you ever done anything? I, I don't even know. Like, had you ever done anything like that? Um, you know, kind of what we did getting it all out on the board and then working our way backwards on exactly who and when and what that looks like. Was that something new for you or maybe something you hadn't done in that capacity? It wasn't. It wasn't uh, entirely new to me. I'd never done it on a whiteboard. I've done it similarly on, you know, just on in a notebook, you know. Yeah, yeah. On a legal pad and, and sketched sketched things out, but really never in that much detail and never with someone else. Yeah. And that was very helpful for me. That's good. So, yeah, that's, that's good to know. I, I I'm I'm glad to know that. So while we were going through that. Um, you know, not having done it with anybody else and not having done it in that format. I know we have a good relationship and we trust one another and, and, you know, we love working with one another and, and, you know, just do life. But even still, um, were there, was there any, any moment in there where, where you, where you weren't getting it or where, you know, we were putting things out on the board and, and it wasn't making sense or, um, you know, were, was there any type of resistance in there that, that you were trying to work through, you know, you were, you were believing in me and you were giving me your time and, and I was, you know, believing in you and giving you my time, but was there anything that, um, 
that it was like maybe you were a little bit hesitant on um, any points that that maybe would have been better for me to pardon me would have been better for me to clarify um, because what I want to extract here is if there are I want to know what those are so that the next time around I don't you know I can I can make sure to address those like what would would you say that there's anything like that at all you know I don't I, no I don't think so I don't I don't remember I remember us kind of put I remember pushing back on some of this just the concrete ideas mm. and I don't think that's necessarily what you're looking for here I don't I don't, no, I don't, go ahead and talk about it because, I mean, everybody's yeah. different. That might strike a chord with somebody and be like, yes, that's exactly where the yeah. resistance comes from with me and, and my leadership. Right. Well, the idea of, of – and I guess, you're, I guess you're right about this. It was the idea that we, that, we, uh, that we did sort of – you were saying, well, we didn't fragment our communication you know, at the beginning of the year about growth groups that we were trying to hit two or three different audiences. That is the person who would never been in a group, people who hadn't been in a group for a decade or whatever it was. Right and, and and the people who have been in groups, but we're asking them to re up. You really really kind of have those three audiences if you start from ground zero and just boom effort it, and that's what I have been used to doing. Hmm. And you said, let's not do that. <laughs> let's. What do you think about this? You know. So I remember us kind of wrangling around about that, and and me trying to just work that through in my head and and frankly to process it not just for me but then to think well what are our, what are our what are our growth group leaders going to think about this process and how is this going to hit them and are they going to be cool with this and is it going to work and so because I'd never done that because it's always been a big catch all it's always been throw out the huge net and try to get all the fish into it at once mm-hmm. So I was always trying to communicate with these three groups of people I will say this after we wrangled kind of through that and I said okay and really, frankly, it was like, I'm going to trust you that this is going to work. Yeah. Well, I'll never do it the same way. I'll never, I'll never do it that way again. Uh, I, you know, what the, the, this is a new twist that I think that we learned to say, you know what, let's get a lot more focused on who we're trying to communicate to, who we're trying to capture, the people that we're calling to action. Let's get very focused on it and call them to action. Put the vision out there and ask them to respond to it. And it worked beautifully. Yeah. It worked beautifully. It worked great on the on the front end with the people who are already in our groups. It got them excited about what was coming after the holidays because we take kind of a significant break. I know that a lot of uh, small groups, you know, people that have small groups in their churches, are kind of processing into December that kind of thing. But we never make it to December. We usually finish right before Thanksgiving, and so for us as a church, we are done. We're out of. We've been out of sync typically for six weeks. Mm-hmm. With our groups, by the time January gets 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 here, and as a church, we've usually started growth groups the first week of January because that's when school starts up. Mm-hmm. So another new thing for us was we pushed it later into the month, and I remember that was something you and I pushed back and forth on with yeah. each other because everything else in the life of our church cranks up immediately because as soon as the first comes and goes, whenever that weekend is, you know that that happens. On that Monday morning, everything everything is back to reset. You know, all the schools are back in session, so we reset with all of our student ministries and programs all through the week. And it just has been assumed that oh, that's when growth groups will start again as well. Yeah. But we said no, and, and let's let's wait and let's drive it down. And that was something that I'd always kind of wanted to do, and frankly, never had the courage to do. And then you and I standing there in that room, and you said, "Oh, that'll work a lot better." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and and even though you don't you know you're 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 working really as a contract person with us you know so you're not you're not showing up on Sundays you know that kind of thing yeah. so 
I was in in many ways I was kind of on the limb, you know, I was up <laughs> by myself, even though I had you, my evil twin, you know, pushing me in the direction. Yeah. You know? so, so I had to I had to get out there and do it. But it was great, you know. So that was another thing that we kind of pushed around on, I guess, that we said, Hey yeah, let's do that. That really helped us, I think. Uh, I know came more directly and more focused in a more focused way with people. Yeah, I know one thing that we're working through right now is the Foothills website and just looking at it and you know recognizing that when it was you Dude, know, don't even mention it, right? Because it's <laughs> somebody'll start to look for it and then they they'll will. Like, Yeah, they won't know who to blame, you or me. <laughs> well, I mean, it was uh I think a lot Who's of websites take credit for that thing, man. <laughs> well, yeah. That's right. That's right. Um yeah, we'll find a different church yeah. named Foothills and then we'll just point to that. But no, I mean, it was designed, uh, you know, what do we say? Like, I think we said it was three to four years ago is when it was designed. And, yeah. and, you know, um, the, uh, the worship pastor there, Craig, uh, he asked, you know, he asked me, he's like, how often should a church redo their website? Which is, I, I love that question because I would say church should always be looking to redo its website. But the reality is anytime there's a major change in vision or anytime there's a major change in the way people consume technology or uh, consume content via, you know, whatever the technology right, right. is, you, you want to keep up with that. But um, I know right now we're going back and forth with the current design and, you know, kind of saying um, – I'm, I'm pushing one direction and, you know, you from the pastor angle, from the shepherding the flock angle, you're pushing back on a different direction and, and we're still not in agreement and, and, uh, and that's okay. I'm, I'm working on a plan that I want to suggest to you, but, um, one thing that I have learned about you, brainwashing formula. So. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm getting some essential oils. I'm mixing up some essential oils and I'll be like, here, Brian, smell this. Yeah, you're going to hypnotize. That's right. But I mean, I know that in our last conversation, I was I was actually putting a lot in front of you and and I was I was making all sorts of suggestions and I know you kind of stopped and and you kind of you didn't shut down but you were just kind of sitting there quiet just you kind of looking at the screen and I took that to mean Brian's thinking right now and so I kind of said I said um I think I said this something along the lines of do you do you need some time to process this like do you need time to think and you came back at me and you said yeah I I typically do better when I have some time to think about this and I thought that was a really great um, exchange for both of us to understand, for me to understand, you know, right. It's, ha- it's a good thing. You know, you're, you're, you know, you're learning because you're, you're, you came on staff with us and, and because you don't live in the building, you know, right with us. I mean, yeah. you're not, you're not there with us every day and seeing everyone every day. You're, you're popping in and out of staff meetings and you're working with each of us mm-hmm. individually from time to time. So I, the learning curve, just the personal learning curve for each of us and each personality, you know, is, yeah. So you're figuring it out, you know. That was, yeah, that was a moment when, you know, for me, uh, I, I, I need to have some time. So I'm okay when somebody says, "Hey, here's an idea," and I want to hear the kind of the nuts and bolts of it and all that, and uh, and 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 actually just explaining it to me versus writing it down and let me see it kind of in a written form mm-hmm. that, you know, those are really two different things. And so yeah. I like for someone to talk me through it, but then to have it on paper that I can go back then yeah, and yeah. give myself an opportunity to process it. And, and I can make myself notes and I do that kind of thing. So that really helps. I don't, I don't mind the dialogue and, and going back and forth. So that's a good help for a communications director to say, look, you know, you've got to, you're, you're, you're studying people, you know, you're learning the people that you're working with, whether it's their, your direct report or other people that are on a staff that, you know, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to move in a certain way with communications. Um, 
you, you can't approach everyone differently. Some people just want it. They want it right now, just the doer kind of thing, and mm-hmm. bang, there it is. You know, mm-hmm. so there you go. There's, you know, our lunch on, on Tuesday with our other associate pastor who's very much wired that way, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, and me, on the other hand, I'm going to take a little bit more time and process it through. So, yeah, yeah that, was, that was good. That's a good example. Yeah, I thought it was great. Well, we are uh, we're hitting uh, the 40. I'm looking at the record button. I don't know how long it will actually be when I edit this down, but we're looking at 43 minutes here of, of just really good stuff. So I'm going to go ahead and, and, uh, and call it. Brian, I really appreciate it. I know that um, – I know that working together is uh, it's it's been challenging, but it's been good. It's been refreshing, and we've experienced some wins, and and we've also experienced some you know a, a loss is never a loss because it leads to a greater win. But there's been some things where the ball just hasn't been um, you know rolling as smoothly as we would want it to. Uh, but you know we're learning, and so thank you for taking time to you know just kind of dialogue with me and provide some insight, hopefully, to some of the communication people out there on. You know how how is how is a pastor thinking about this stuff versus you know all of my communication peers talking about it? So I I appreciate. It. Is there anything else that you'd like to kind of share or say as we kind of close it up here? No, man. I just uh, I hope it's been helpful to everyone, and we we have learned a lot. We know as a church, you know that we have some more things to learn, and uh, hopefully, you know, pastors will will be open if any if any of them listen to this, you know, or they get their communications together that you know if they'll be open to learning and listening and entering into a dialogue together with a communication manager, communication director, uh, to see what God can do, because it's really about the story of the people, the story of what God's doing in the life of a church and how people's lives have been changing that, that, you know, all of us, we want more people to come to know Jesus. We want more people, you know, growing as disciples. Mm -hmm. How do we connect them to those processes and to those, uh, systems, whatever they are in your, in the life of your church, that will help them achieve that. That's what we all want. Yeah. And a communications director is a person who can help facilitate that and think of it in ways that we may have never thought of it before. So, yeah. yeah. I love it. I appreciate that. Brian, thanks so much. All right, buddy. and I'm excited to tell you that we will be serving churches in Boise, Idaho this year for Creative Missions. We've been meeting with pastors all week, finding out the best ways we can serve them well this May. Uh, And so in the meantime, go to creativemissions.to, our website, or facebook.com slash creativemissions to find out more information and watch for signups beginning next week. That's right, guys. Uh, Creative Missions is coming up. And uh, it's going to be happening May 16 through the 22nd. And uh, it's going to be a, a great time for communicators, creatives, graphic designers, video people, all sorts of different talents that exist within the church to come together and to partner with churches and organizations and, and basically the city of Idaho to, or the, the city of Idaho, the city of Boise, Idaho 
to uh, do some pretty great stuff. So I'm going to be having Cleve on in a future episode of the Church Marketing Podcast to talk a little bit more about that. In the meantime, you can go to creativemissions.to to learn more about it, get on the mailing list, and uh, I believe registration should be opening up soon if it hasn't already. So uh, make sure you do that. Guys, I hope you enjoyed the episode with Brian McCoy, pastor out at uh, Foothills Baptist Church in Phoenix, Arizona. I really, really have been wanting to get more pastors on here to help bridge the gap between how we communicate between ourselves and our departments and pastors who are trying to run an entire church. And so I hope this gave you a glimpse into the dynamic that we have going on. And I know that the relationships that you have with your leaders is going to be a lot different than the relationship that I have with the leaders who I work with. Um, but you know what? I think there's something to be learned from every relationship. So listen to it again, multiple times, listen to, you know, the things that Brian says were helpful. Listen to the things that Brian says were frustrating and, um, and then apply it to your own context context. How, how does that work out where you are at? Are you doing things that are frustrating your leaders? You know, think about the list of things that I uh, shared at the very beginning, you know, help them succeed, be strategic about the items that you choose to push back on, uh, scratch the itch that they have. Don't just, you know, start working on things that they don't see value in S- work on the things that are actually pain points for them and scratch that itch and then earn trust through quick wins. Find ways that you can shine in very brief, small, you know, appetizer type uh, amounts. That way you can earn trust and be given the freedom to take on bigger, more influential tasks, processes, projects, whatever the case might be. Um, yeah, I'm really glad to have had Brian on and I hope to do more episodes like this where we bring on, you know, quote unquote, real life pastors to talk about this stuff. Guys, Thank you for listening to the Church Marketing Podcast. Thank you for being here. It's a privilege. I hope you enjoyed this episode, all the content. Check out creativemissions.to for more information about what the Center for Church Communication has going on. And guys, um, until next time, I guess uh, I guess my name is still Dave Shrine. You can catch me on Twitter at Dave Shrine. You can read my blog, DaveShrine.com. I have an email list that you can sign up for. Uh, if you want to get more communication goodness, uh, that's how you can connect more deeply with me. But other than that, guys, uh, keep rocking it. Work hard. Listen well. And be diligent in everything that God has trusted you with. Until next time, Shrine out. Shrine out.